PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is a term we hear used a lot, especially in regards to soldiers returning from combat. Coming up in this edition of Health Styles, licensed clinical professional counselor Mike Tozer from Sarah Bush Lincoln will explain how PTSD is diagnosed and four of the most common symptoms. Don't go away, we'll be right back. A tumble on the field, a slip on the ice, years of repetitive wear and tear. We can help you. We fix broken bones, repair and replace joints, help people improve mobility and relieve pain. Sarah Bush Lincoln has some of the most highly skilled orthopedic and hand surgeons in the country, and they want to help you get back to the things you love. Learn more at sarahbush.org. Sarah Bush Lincoln, trusted, compassionate care. Welcome to Health Styles, the podcast. I'm your host, Lori Banks, and today Mike Tozer is back, and our discussion today is about post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, We did a podcast, Mike, a few months ago about how to cope with tragic events and traumatic events. Today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into post-traumatic stress disorder, so I want you to first talk about define it for us. Thanks, Lori. A lot of what you hear these days from people, and I, when I say this, it's not to minimize it, but people talk about their trauma, and which is apparently somebody or has had a bad experience with something or a bad set of experiences, and definitely we would never want to minimize that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have PTSD. I think a lot of people don't know that just because you've had a traumatic experience, not everybody has PTSD as a result of it. Some people, um, like they'll come back from war and, you know, they'll be, they'll have stressors involved with returning and they may have some, you know, minor, you know, minimal intrusions into their life when they get back initially, but they adjust to it. Um, So not everybody that goes to war comes back with PTSD. Does a high percentage of people come back? Sure. Uh, So I think it's important to know if you've had traumatic experiences in your life, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have PTSD because the actual definition, the diagnostic criteria about that goes with um, PTSD is the definition is actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. Stressful events not involving an immediate threat to life or physical injury, such as psychosocial stressors, such as divorce or loss of job, are not considered trauma in this definition. Whereas in the more general definition that um, is used more in um, the public or what you hear is like, it results from an exposure to an incident or series of events that are emotionally disturbing or life-threatening with lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotion, and or spiritual well-being. So to break this all down, let me say, for example, divorce in and of itself would not be considered a diagnosable criteria for TP, for PTSD. Now, if you your divorce was if you experienced violence in the divorce, 
yeah, you could come, you could be diagnosed with PTSD if you have the set of symptoms, which we'll get into in a moment, but things like divorce or losing your job, although very stressful and can create depression or anxiety as a result from it, it's not generally going to be a diagnostic criteria for PTSD. So if you go into a, if you think that your divorce was traumatic or losing your job was a trauma, you may go into a counselor and they may tell you, although very, very, you know, disturbing emotionally, you have a lot of stress and anxiety, you don't necessarily have PTSD. You know, if you're in a job where you had life-threatening experiences or whatever, sure. But I think that that's what is important to know. There's some very specific things that go with PTSD, and but I'm not saying that there isn't a broader scope of trauma that happens to people just you start to narrow the focus with PTSD. Okay. So, Mike, let's just talk about kind of there's sort of four main symptoms associated with PTSD. And the first one is re-experiencing. So you can re-experiencing. So, for example, let's say you were in a car accident uh, and, um, you you know, it's a fairly serious, serious car accident. And you don't have to be physically injured terribly like you can even walk away relatively okay a few bumps and bruises but it could be a significant accident you totaled your car you had a head-on collision you were t-boned by somebody so what begins to happen for people is is that they may get in they may get in the car for the first time afterwards and they start to have uh, memories of it they may have images that come into their head that may even happen before they ever set foot in a car. So you begin, and then you may start to remember like the sounds of it, the smells of it, you know, the sight of the car, the colors of the car. Like there's so many things you start to re-experience like, and the event starts to go through your head. So that's, you know, you re-experience the event. It may not, a lot of times it may not be actually as it occurred because trauma memory doesn't necessarily work that way. It may be, it may be altered some, like I said, the smells can be more pronounced, you know, along with the colors or sounds. Like I've heard, you know, several people that have been in car accidents and say they can hear the actual grinding of the metal, you know, with it. And they're not, you know, And they're just, you know, the memory has just come back to them. And so they hear that kind of sound. So re-experiencing leads to, um, it can lead to, but oftentimes the the second one we were going to talk about is what we call hyperarousal. So think about that car accident and you have to go to work and you have to get in that car and you have to drive to work and so the night before, you're constantly on edge. You're constantly thinking. Your mind won't shut off. You know, your blood gets to pumping. You can't sleep. That's hyperarousal. You know, on a, on a personal scale, if you think, can, if you've ever just been startled by somebody and you just kind of jump a little bit and oh, do that, do that, think about living that way most of your day. Think about being on that kind of alert most of your day. And then when something you, 
see something or hear something or whatever, like you, you're, you know, you just jump more like your system just jumps more. It's called hyper arousal. So you're always constantly on alert, on edge, and it becomes very, very tiring. I would think so. Your heart rate is up. It's like being in flight mode all the time. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So number three is kind of the opposite, and that would be avoidance. So you stop. I know we keep sticking with a car accident, but so you so you won't get into cars. You know, you won't ride. You know, you won't drive. You won't get into cars. Uh, you you avoid like anything that has to do with cars, you avoid talking about car accidents. You won't watch shows or the news where there's any, you know, something about a car accident comes on, you immediately turn the the channel or turn it off. Like, so you're avoiding anything that would spark a memory of it, that would set you, that would trigger, that would up the hyper arousal and then trigger memories, trigger sensations bodily things like that that would make you um feel you know get closer to panic attacks you know panic attacks are something that a lot of people with ptsd experience because they don't um because they don't have far to go they're already on edge so they can develop um panic attacks you know after a result and the fourth one of our uh, symptoms is emotional numbing. This is the point where people say, I'm just kind of going through my day. I can't feel anything. You know, I just, you know, I'm checked out. Like I'm off in la-la land or they just, they can't feel anything. Like I can't feel sad. I can't feel happy. I can't feel angry. You know, I just can't feel anything. I feel numb basically it's a detachment because at some point like you're constantly on alert all the time and you're constantly being barraged by all of these things emotionally it becomes very very difficult to cope with that so your system goes on shutdown essentially so it could somehow find a way to cope with it um it's and you hear, I hear that from people all the time. They just detach because it's, you know, because they're, it's, self, it's a self-protective mechanism. So if someone's listening and they recognize some of these symptoms in themselves or a friend or a loved one, what should they do? I mean, how long should one walk around feeling this way before getting help? <laughs> <laughs> My reaction is as little don't walk around um, for very long. With it, one of the issues with PTSD is that you can be avoidant, you know, and not want to go out in public. I have many people that go out that, like, even if they go out and, you know, they have to come to an office, like, they can't stand being around people. They can't stand being around enclosed spaces, so they won't go out and help or whatever. So we know, you know, people are aware of that, especially in the profession, call some, you know, call a places for help. Um, call your count, you know, local counseling, call your doctor. We always talk about going to your primary, you know, talk to them about the symptoms you're having and what's going on, you know, 
in this day and age, we can make some adjustments. We can meet people. You know, we can talk to people over the phone. We can do video with people. So there, there are options for people to do that. And if you're trying to talk with somebody that you think have it, make sure that it's done in a supportive way. Make sure that you see that they're struggling. To tell them what you're seeing. Tell them that you're willing to help them in any way, you know, that they'll, you can take them. Because this is really a disorder that, although I'm, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, they're all can be very pervasive. This one can as well because it really affects your interactions with people, how you relate to people, the, where you actually go, you know. One of the worst times for a lot of people with PTSD is 4th of July. The fireworks, you know, just set, is just like a constant setting off of memories. It, it's, it just keeps them startled, keeps them hyper alert, especially any war, you know, anybody that's been in combat is like a lot of times it can sound like explosions or can remind them of, gunfire, that, that kind of thing. First responders as well. Like, you know, it just, so just remember you're dealing with somebody. It's not that they may not want help. It just is so scary for them maybe to go to an office where there are a lot of people around. It goes back to the avoidance part of PTSD where you, where people want to avoid things at all costs because it's just, too overwhelming, it's too overstimulating, and it may last days. That experience itself could last days. And I've had, I've treated people with PTSD that, like, will have a significant memory or or be triggered by a significant event, and they won't leave their house for three days, four days. So it's not uncommon for people with PTSD to um, avoid going to medical care or counseling, or things that are vitally important for them because of these reasons. So if someone has this, will time, does time heal this wound, or does something need to be done? Doesn't something inter- needs to be done. This is, not a, this is not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps. This is not a time heals all wounds sort of thing. This is something that is treated, and you can, you can quote, recover, but usually what my experience has been, people can learn how to cope with having PTSD, but the and the symptoms can um, decrease and and they can you know, with the use of medication and and specific therapy or therapies uh, that go along with treating PTSD. But this is usually something that just doesn't go away. You know, as I always say, I'll never say never because you do have cases where just sometimes it just goes away or just dissipates for whatever reason, but usually not. So let's get back to this. I was in a car accident several years ago, not life-threatening, but it was scary, and you relived it for a while. Um, and, you know, I got past it, but when – I don't want you to put, have to put a timeline on it, but say someone does get in a car accident today, and two weeks from now they're still – experience at what point in time from when the the incident occurred do you think well this is 
more than just I need I might need some help. Well, the the actual criteria there's an actual criteria for yeah. this. So these symptoms have to persist um, for you know for greater than a month. Okay. You know, for greater usually we're looking at anywhere from a month to six months. Um, after a year, it becomes chronic. This you know if you have these symptoms for upwards of a year, you're talking more along the lines of a chronic a chronic disorder. Um, you have an, what we call an acute stress disorder that we're talking that, some, you know, after after a year period, you know, it becomes um, a chronic PTSD situation. So, yeah, like most of the time people are going to have some of those after effects. They're going to last for a while. But the other thing, they may be short, they may be for a while, but remember it's you may have, mem- you know, in the first two or three weeks, you may have some memories. You may have some, some dreams of it. Nightmares is one thing that is very, very uh, specific to PTSD, like reliving, you know, this, it over and over and over again or, like, things that are related to the trauma or to death or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I have first responders that have dreams about, the people that they've treated, they see their faces in their nightmares. It just, it can be very, very horrifying. But, you know, like within the first few weeks after, a you know, a car accident, you're doing that. You know, if it doesn't dissipate, if the, if dreams continues, if your startling becomes increased, you know, harder to deal with, you're starting to avoid things like that, that will be giving you an indication Maybe I do need to go talk to somebody. You know, feeling anxious and nervous about getting into a car after an accident is normal. Uh, if it doesn't go away, if it gets worse, if it gets more difficult, like if you all of these things that I've talked about, if you are having that those things and they're persisting or getting worse, that's when, you know, you really do need to go see somebody to see if PTSD is happening. Mike, as we wrap our talk up today, let's leave us with some advice. This is this topic is is big, and we've just kind of given people an overview of it. It's much deeper than what we've got time to go into today. But if you had to say, give some advice to our listeners out there, what would you say about PTSD? You're correct, Lori. This has been a very general overview of things, and I, but I think it was important to to talk about because. Like there are um, distinctions about PTSD that people aren't aware of. Like it's like any other trending thing in in today's society, or you know anything that you hear people flippantly say, like "Oh, I've got PTSD." Like it, there really is something to it, and there's usually more to it than what we think. If you think you might have it, then something's probably happened to you to be thinking it, and rather than trying to research on the internet or, or like watch, you know, TV or social media, things like that, go in and see somebody, go see somebody, or at least call somebody to do a first step so they can guide you in a, in a direction where you can actually go see what's happening. Cause if it is PTSD, yeah, get it treated as soon as possible. If it isn't, you're at least going to find out something else, you know, might be going on, which is still equally as important. 
And as you've always said, Mike, it's a great idea to start that conversation with your primary care provider. They are going to be a valuable resource for you. Yes, they will. All right. Thanks for coming in and talking to us today. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. As Mike mentioned, those four common symptoms are re-experiencing, hyperarousal, avoidance, and emotional numbing. PTSD is diagnosed when these symptoms last longer than a month and cause significant distress or impairment. For more information about PTSD, you can visit the National Institute of Mental Health or the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Both websites offer valuable and trusted information. We hope you'll join us again. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you always know when new shows are available. And remember to always speak to your own healthcare provider if you have questions or concerns about your physical or mental health.